0: Live and local, this is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey baby, we are gonna be here! Call us up at 337 706 0111. I like that gun kind about of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg.
1: And good afternoon and welcome. How are you? Hope everybody had a great weekend. Here we are, Monday, May 23rd, the year 2022. We usually save the birthday wishes for the end of the show, but man, a happy, happy 84th birthday. To the legend, Skip Bertman. Hope you're having a great day, my friend. And um, boy, the legend, absolutely. And boy, did his baseball team, LSU, play like the Tigers of Skip Bertman. Uh, a week after getting swept at home, um, the Tigers rallied and just kept playing and swinging and swinging and maybe a season-defining sweep of Vanderbilt with a 21-10 victory on Sunday to wrap it all up. And now they await their fate in the SEC tournament as the Tigers become the number four seed thanks to Kentucky's 6-3 to win over Auburn. So the Tigers uh, bypass that single elimination portion of the tournament They play their first game on Wednesday, tentatively set for 8 p.m. But if you know how these baseball tournaments go, rarely, rarely do they start on time. Games go longer. Sometimes there's extra innings. Sometimes there's rain. So just sit back and relax. You can hear all the games for LSU here on the game where my main man, James Mesh, is back in the master control suite spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons, making sure everything is run in a professional manner. And he's on uh, the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also in Lake Charles, 1041. We are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we're simulcast on Stadium thirty two point three and one thirty three on LUS Fiber. Tigers could have sat back and relaxed. They trailed six to nothing against Vandy on uh, on on Saturday, uh, but they rallied to score a season high twenty one runs. Twenty one, including in those twenty one runs and seventeen hits was an individual performance that we have not seen in quite some time. Braden Jobert became the first LSU player with nine RBIs in a game since March 5th, 1999. He went four for six with a grand slam, a solo homer, and a triple. That grand slam was part of an 11-run 8th inning in which every Tiger in the lineup with the exception of Josh Stevenson scored. We will recap it all as we do each and every morning uh Monday with uh Chris Reed, the former LSU Tiger. Justin Thomas at 29 years old won his second major championship, his second PGA title in a playoff. He started Sunday 7 Shots off the pace. And you know what they say about pressure? Pressure either produces diamonds or it bursts pipes. And boy, did it burst the pipe of one Mito Pereira who had a one-shot lead going into the final hole. He pulled out a driver and he hooked it into the water. Pull out your iron, dude, and put it in the fairway. All you need is a par. You don't need any heroics. Get your par, get your championship for Chile. Well, that didn't happen, and uh, the rest is history. Because um, Justin Thomas, in a three-hole playoff, beat Will Zalatoris for the PGA Championship. Early voting at five to one odds powered through near record heat to win the 147th Preakness Stakes by a length and a half. Jockey Jose Ortiz rode the horse to victory. Chad Brown, the winning trainer. The temp was just under 90 degrees during the race at Baltimore's Pimlico Racecourse, making Saturday's run one of the hottest in Preakness history. The favorite, Epicenter at 7-5 and Creative Minister at 10-1, finished second and third, respectively. Epicenter, who placed second in the Kentucky Derby, has now finished as a runner-up in each of the first two legs of the Triple Crown. Rick Strike will run in the Belmont. Uh, Early voting will not run in it, so there will be no rematch uh, or no matchup of the two uh, thoroughbreds who have won the first two legs of the Triple Crown. UL Baseball um, is on a two-game win streak. After losing their opener to Little Rock, they bounce back in fine fashion, uh, winning on Friday 10 to 4, Saturday 9 to 3. Now they ready get ready for the Sunbelt Conference Championship in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, they will play South Alabama Wednesday at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. LSU, again, will play Wednesday night in Hoover, Alabama. Alabama is the baseball capital of the world against the winner of Auburn and Kentucky that play in that single elimination game, on tuesday meanwhile softball is over and done for both lsu and for the raging cajuns lsu was two and out at the sec tournament i think of all the coaches out there for lsu beth tarina will start off next season on the hottest of seats her program the numbers have gone down each and every year and they've lost four in a row to do that to end up this year um, the only coach left of the big six football, basketball, men and women, baseball, softball, um, that hasn't been hired by Scott Woodward. So we'll see. Meanwhile, the Raging Cajuns lost the opener in the Clemson Regional four to three to Clemson. They bounced back in 11 innings to beat UNC Wilmington three to one. Then they came back and uh, exacted some revenge on auburn winning four to three to eliminate the tigers they advanced to the championship game on sunday against clemson and they get shut out in five innings eight to zip so their season is over and done as well so um good season but not as good as both of them wanted meanwhile the golden state warriors are making a mockery of the dallas mavericks winning Last night, 109 to 100, to take a insurmountable three games to zip lead over Dallas. Teams in the playoffs that have a three zip series lead, I think the record some like something like 143 wins, zero losses to advance to the next round. It's it's an insurmountable. And Steph Curry, um, in 39 minutes, shot 50 percent from the field, 50 percent from downtown, and 100 percent from the free throw line to get 31 points to go along with 11 assists. Andrew Wiggins had his breakout game, 27 points and 11 rebounds in 40 minutes. Um, Dallas, well, Luka Doncic had 40. Um, Jalen Brunson had 20, and that was it. That was it. Um, Doncic controls the ball, um, does everything but it's those teams that have balance, balance. Um, Wiggins took 20 shots. Curry took 20 shots. Clay Thompson took 18 shots. Uh, Draymond Green took 10 shots. Jordan Poole um, took four shots. They just have more balance. They're just the better team. Meanwhile, the best series is in the East, and that will resume tonight um, as the Miami Heat, and the Boston Celtics meet in game four. Shockingly to me, Miami went into Boston and won game three and did it uh, quite well to lead that series two games to one. Um, We'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens in this one. No Tyler Hero in this one. Jimmy Butler says he will make every effort to to play after having to sit out much of the, the second half of, of the game against boston one in which they won anyway and um another docking of money to the dallas mavericks who continue to defy the league and uh, with their bench decorum um and they just keep getting fined and fined third time now uh, they were fined a hundred thousand dollars this time for continuing to violate league rules the fines have now totaled 175,000 and Dallas says, so what? We're just going to keep, we're going to let our, our, our players cheer for their team. So um, there you go. Let me tell you uh, our guest list. So we got Chris Reed coming up to talk LSU baseball, Alex Myers to talk about the PGA um, Tiger woods had to withdraw uh, second tournament in a row. The masters makes the cut third round disaster. I just wonder, obviously, um, the leg is not right. Obviously, his physical fitness, um, you can you can run all you want. You can lift weights all you want, but until you get out there and 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 with the stress and the pressure that's involved in it, uh, I wonder what's going to happen to Tiger. So so we'll see. We shall see. We'll talk all golf with Alex Myers. Karoski Melvin will talk about all things with the Ragin' Cajuns. Uh, and Blake Ruffino will join us. I have a theory on the Nick Saban um, uh, saga with Jimbo Fisher. And I don't think what he said is totally wrong at all. Maybe he used the wrong the wrong verbiage to get his point across. But remember, Nick Saban's always said, you can only control what you can control. And that's how he's always run his program. He can't control this NIL, and we'll delve into that. I think it's the beginning of the end of Nick Saban. I think Mike Sheshewski did what he did. I think Jay Wright at Villanova did what he did, and I think one more win, one more title, and I'm betting the ranch on Alabama this year, and it could be every LSU fan's wish that Nick Saban will retire to the lake. We'll talk about that and much, much more. Um, so sit back and relax when we come back. LSU, with all the pressure in the world counting them out now. Now, what will it take for them to possibly host an NCAA regional? We'll go over it all with Chris Reed after this timeout on The Jordy Hulpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.
1: All right, eighteen minutes after the hour. What a weekend! It well, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was for LSU in Nashville, Tennessee, as they um, demoralized the the Vanderbilt Commodores, outscoring them combined forty-two to fifteen. Um, as LSU roared back into the top 25 of the RPI rankings and locked up the number four seed in the SEC tournament thanks to some help from their friends from Auburn who lost to Kentucky. Uh, Chris Reed joins us. The former Tiger joins us each and every Monday to kind of recap it all. And, Chris, I, thank you for your time. What a difference a week makes. I mean, my goodness, what, a, what was that club we saw in Nashville?
2: Hey, the Mondays
3: are always better after a, a weekend like that. But yeah. I think I'm just kind of as shocked as you are. Uh, but but there's kind of a pattern with this team. And and it's, it, it looks like they can go from one extreme to the other. And mm-hmm. it just so happens that their extreme this weekend was as dominant as they were. Uh, the bats were on. The pitching was phenomenal. Uh, defense was, was good. Not great, but still good. And um, I think they really kind of solidified themselves uh, as a hosting um, spot in the regionals. So I think they uh, really oh. positioned themselves well with this kind of weekend, and that's exactly what they needed.
1: Do you think they have to win a couple of games to secure a hosting spot, or do you think they've got it locked up now?
3: Well, I, I think it's around a 75% chance that they, that they have it locked up right now. I, I would prefer them to win – um, at least one, if not two. If they win two, it's a hundred percent lock for a hosting site. Um, but if they win one, it'll still be kind of a toss up. I still think it's all in their favor. Um, definitely, if they end up playing, I believe it'll be between Kentucky and Auburn. And so, if they end up playing Auburn with their RPI, I think it'll kind of right. give them a a nice little bump. So, okay. I think they're sitting right, in well, a really then. good spot right now.
1: Very good. Um, man, this is such a different team now. Um looks like it's found, obviously, it's found its groove offensively. And I think more importantly, uh, they're getting healthy as the postseason arrives. I know Jacob Berry is still only swinging right-handed. I know he's playing DH, but... At least you got him back in the lineup. you know um, Trey Morgan looks like he's running a little bit better. He he's found himself in a groove, so looks like they're getting healthy at the right time.
3: Yeah, and I mean anytime you have a you can you can kind of input a guy that's batting 400 in the SEC. I think I think that's a good thing to get him back into the lineup. Um, You know, you tend to shoot for maybe even around 300, but this guy's batting a whole hundred points higher than what you kind of, you know, at the beginning of the year, your typical player shoots for. Uh, with Trey Morgan, yeah, his, his ankle and his knees look looking a little bit healthier. Uh, he's obviously moving a lot better. Had a really solid weekend. And I think he's a really, really big piece of this offense to take them from, you know, they're obviously really good, but I'm talking about take them to another level, the exact same level that you saw this past weekend. I think it can be replicated – um, you know, in, in the following week, weeks and weekends uh, for the postseason, and, and I think LSU fans should be extremely excited with the um, finally with the emergence or uh, re-emergence of uh, Joe Bear. He had yeah. a heck of a weekend. I see one cope player of the week or right. straight up player of the week, and player uh, of the week. You know, yeah. I think, like you said, the offense is really clicking right now, and and you just love to see that at this time of the year.
1: What's a what's a 9 RBI baseball performance equivalent to like for a basketball player would that be like scoring 50 points in a game or a, a quarterback throwing for 600 yards in a game what what's what is that I mean that doesn't happen all the time
3: Yeah I, I don't know if I've ever done that but um but it's it yeah, it's it's really it's it's a really special thing to witness whenever you have a person that goes a three game stretch like that that can kinda of put those numbers out. Uh nine RBIs hmm. related to to football. I mean, you're throwing five touchdowns for four hundred and fifty yards and yep. then if you're playing basketball, yeah, you're you're getting into the forty forty to fifty point range I and mean, it it's really <laughs> a special thing and and definitely with somebody like him that did it in the situations that he did. It makes right. it even more special. I mean, that, yeah, a grand slam and a home run in the last game to really kind of, really kind of solidify that comeback and take the lead. I mean, it was a high leverage situation and you just love to see when a, when a kid comes up that hasn't been producing that well in SEC play uh, comes up when the team really needs them in a dire situation and really, really puts his best awesome. foot forward. So
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Chris Reed with us. Uh, Mikael Hilliard, Keep putting LSU in winning position, but I think the guy we got to talk about is the reemergence of sophomore Ty Floyd. Um, He's been terrific. His last three outings against Alabama, Ole Miss, and Vanderbilt, 15 and a third innings. He allowed just three runs on eight hits with 15 strikeouts. Ty Floyd looks like he's their second starter.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you have... McHale's has been tough as nails all year. Uh, he's he's been he's been it's been awesome to watch him play um, this season. And and look with Ty Floyd, I've probably been tougher on him than anybody on the team this year. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of whenever I was at the Texas LSU game in Houston, you know I was just like everybody else, getting pretty frustrated with the probably ninety five percent fastball rate that he was throwing, and at this just at this level, you just can't do that, and I and I feel like a lot of fans were like that. And talk about answering the bell he he finally has he's finally shown his curveball. And when you match up a curveball with the mid nineties fastball, it can do some damage in the college realm. You know, it that's it, it's not super hard to get away with that type of stuff. His fastball is electric. He likes to get it up and elevated, kind of like Ole Miss does. Um, And it just creates a lot of problems for hitters. And if if he can continue to locate his curveball and and really gain confidence in that, he could easily, without a doubt, be our Saturday or Friday night guy. And he has that potential. So I think him hitting his stride right now is uh, is extremely important for LSU going forward in this uh, SEC tournament and in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, pitching's everything. You got Reisleman, Gervais, Cooper, Fontenot, Collins, Hasty, Taylor in the bullpen. Um, they're, they've been good, but in the double elimination style that SEC tournament is, I uh, mean, mm-hmm. you got to have a healthy, fully loaded pitching staff uh, to make a run. You guys under Palmineri seem to always do unbelievably well in the SEC tournament. Why was that? Yeah,
3: I, I think it really originated from Coach Maneri. He, he loved going and playing that tournament. The team knew the history of LSU baseball and the fact that at this time of the year, this is when we shine the brightest. This is when, for some unknown reason, this is when we come to play our best baseball. And when we always got to Hoover, it was always an extremely relaxed um, energy around the club. And but but that was like I said that was instilled by the head coach. He would always tell us to look. We don't have to stay here all week long. We don't have to stay here more than one day. If we lose, we go home. We rest up for the regionals. No big deal. Obviously, we come here to win. We're LSU. You're always going to show up to try to win. And you know, but at the same time, you know it, it is baseball. Things can, crazy things can happen. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many crazy games I had in Hoover. Just unreal <laughs> things between the Florida late-night game where I actually ended up turning a uh, double play in, like, the 13th inning. Then we played Mississippi State to, a, like, a 17-inning game or something crazy yeah, like that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yep. in, into, like, 3 o'clock at night. Uh, I mean, there's just so many crazy things that have happened uh, in Hoover over the last six to eight years that you know when you, that, that LSU has been a part of. And I think the fans traveling to Hoover – Uh, for LSU, I think that plays a large part in it, because we we travel probably, you know, we're obviously one of the highest traveling teams in terms of the fans uh, showing up, and I mean, the RV lots are full with LSU flags flying. I remember I'm I'm just now flashing back to uh, my freshman year, it was the first time that we showed up, and I mean, it seemed like there was a thousand LSU flags flying, and everybody on the bus that was young was just in awe.
4: Uh And
3: I just feel like the field and the atmosphere really just brings out the best in LSU.
1: All right. So, um, play loose, no pressure, do what you do. And, uh, let's see what happens. Then you get some momentum going. Does, does momentum in baseball carry over like it does in other sports? I mean, cause what you did against Vanderbilt, you can't get much more momentum than that.
3: Yeah, I would say probably more so in baseball than other sports. Uh, when you get a team that is, is talented and they get hot, it's extremely hard to stop them. Um, you know, I, I, I think back to the year we won the SEC, the uh, SEC championship, and we ran through the tournament, won the SEC tournament, and we were on a crazy win streak. Um, and, it, I mean, we should have, after about the 10th game of the win streak, we showed up to the field thinking we could we literally there's no way we could lose. We showed up. We knew we were better than the other team, and we wanted to prove it. We showed up to do damage. And, and, and when you get that level of confidence, match it with the talent, it's an extremely special thing to witness. And I was just lucky enough to be a part of it. And I really hope you know that the kids there uh, can kind of witness and be a part of the, something similar in that, in that, in that regard
1: pretty good week 19 runs they scored to beat Northwestern State 13 in the opener against Vanderbilt Ugh, just a paltry 8 uh in the in the middle game and then they made up for that with 21 so obviously the offense is it true the ball just looks bigger and the spin is slower when you're swinging the bat like that yeah uh
3: it it the game slows down i mean you 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 know from basketball when you yeah. When you get in those types of, of grooves, the game just operates at a slower pace and it makes it so much easier to hit it does. It and, does. To, and to pitch and to do everything. But when you get into those spots, the ball looks like a balloon. Like, And, and when you're pitching, it looks like you throw it 100 miles an hour. Uh, you know, everything just seems to be clicking when those things happen and, and it's you can obviously tell something was, was clicking because the amount of home runs and really just the solid at-bats and, and hits were, were extremely exciting to see um, from a fan's perspective. So you can only imagine you know, how, how much better it was from a player's perspective.
1: All right. A lot more fun talking about this than it was talking about Ole Miss. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. I greatly appreciate it. Next Monday, we'll we'll be talking about where LSU is going to be playing in a regional. Maybe it's in Baton Rouge. Maybe it's not. And we'll see how far they go in the SEC tournament. So thank you as always, my friend. Enjoy the week. No problem. You too. All right. Chris Reed, the former Tiger. And LSU, again, will play um, Wednesday night. It says 8 o'clock. They'll play the winner of Auburn versus Kentucky. We shall see. Next home, Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day on June the 11th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with disabilities. The event will be located at Bollier Park Dog Park at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette. Food truck, Kona ice co- ice snow cone stand will be on site, plus music, treats, and prizes. All proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day on June the 11th. Uh, Justin Thomas is happy. Took a shot at Jimbo Fisher uh, on his way out of Tulsa, but he's the PGA champ. We'll recap it all next with Alex Myers of Golf Digest here on the Jordy Helford Show on the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So, what's the secret to the blonde bomber's success? Easy, taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, what a weekend of golf it was. Pressure? Well, it either produced his diamonds or it burst pipes. And for the PGA Championship, it did a little bit of both. It uh, produced a diamond for Justin Thomas, the winner. It burst the pipes of one Mito Pereira. Wow. Let's, let's recap it all with our expert from Golf Digest, the one and only Alex Myers. Alex, that was uh, wow. Seven strokes off the lead going into the final 18 holes. Uh, remarkable. Remarkable. But everybody else came back to the pack. Yeah, exactly, Jordy. I mean,
2: you know, Justin Thomas played a brilliant round on Sunday, no doubt about it. But to come from that far back, you definitely need some help. And of course, at the top, no one helped more than Mito Pereira, who you know, held the lead the entire day. I mean, people just kept waiting for him to wilt. Uh, whenever he did have a bad hole, he kind of bounced back, righted the yeah. ship. Uh, but he, he hung in there till that final hole, and, and obviously a, a disaster that will go down in history is one of the biggest final hole meltdowns in, in major history. But, you know, those other guys right, in the, in the, right behind him chasing Mito, none of them really made a big move themselves. They all had their moments, but none of them were able to quite catch him or break ahead. And as a result, they let someone like Justin Thomas really kind of creep back from the path. You know, the website datagolf.com, it's a great site. They had Justin Thomas with a 1.2% chance of winning heading into Sunday. Mm. And, uh, you know, after two early bogeys, it was probably less than 1%. Uh, but as we've seen with, uh, you know, the Patriots and the Falcons and that Super Bowl, uh, you know, you can have there a less got. than 1% chance and it can still happen, right, Jordy? And that's yes. certainly what happened for Justin Thomas.
1: Those two shots on 18 on the 72nd hole, um, mm. my goodness gracious. How How good were they? Yeah, I mean, what we
2: saw from him down the stretch, the ball striking, was nothing short of phenomenal and then you get to the playoff and he basically plays a perfect playoff um he did have to lay up on that first par five but then he hits a wedge in there to four feet knowing he has to make birdie with zalatoris on the green and two gets to the drivable par four just hits the three wood of his life to the back (laughs) of the green to set up an easy birdie um and then 18 again just smokes a drive and then it's a nine iron up the hill. It's a 520 yard par four, and he's hit nine iron approach shots uh, to the green. Just fantastic stuff. Uh, you know, he was one of my, you know, I hate to, you know, pat myself on the back. No, I finally, remember. I finally get a pick right. I'm going to say it. And one of the yes. reasons, Jordy, is because, you know, I just think this guy loves to shape shots. And this was a course that, as we saw, not only doesn't have a lot of dog legs, but the way the fairways roll and everything else, you really have to play the proper shot at the proper time. And Justin Thomas loves that challenge. He's not, you know, Rory McElroy loves hitting that sweeping draw. Dustin Johnson goes to that, that cut. Uh, Justin Thomas is one of those players who likes to adapt, play different shots. I think that's also why we mm-hmm. saw Bubba Watson pop up on the board at one point. He's another yes. extremely creative player. So this fit into Justin Thomas's, uh game and you know frankly he had one of the best putting weeks that he's had in his career I think he finished second in the field in strokes game putting that's been an area that's held him back these last couple years from getting that that second major but uh he finally did it 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 wasn't the way we expected Justin Thomas to win a second major but I think nobody is surprised
1: that he has two majors now uh we talked last Tuesday I've got it on tape you picked him there we go there we go I'm gonna clap my hands (laughs) for you You still haven't made me money enough for all the bad picks you've given me. I'm kidding, (laughs) kidding. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what what, isn't it? uh, How much say does a caddy have in this kind of stuff? Because if I'm Mito Pereira's caddy on 18, I'm like, dude, you got a one shot lead. Um, you don't need to pull the driver out, take your long iron and just put it down the middle of the fairway. Yeah, it's a
2: great question, Jordy, and certainly it depends on the player caddy relationship and in, in this case, uh, Scott McGinnis is on Mito Pereira's bag. He hasn't been his caddy for that long. He was actually Scotty Scheffler's caddy before oh. he got Ted Scott on his bag. So clearly an experienced caddy, but maybe not enough experience to call his player off that shot. I mean you gotta remember too, if, if the player wants to hit a shot and then you call him off it, then that's even more doubt going through your mind. Yeah, but I'm man. I'm with you. I, I was stunned that he hit driver it 's a beast of a hole, but it wasn't playing as tough as it had in recent weeks as I mentioned Justin Thomas hit nine iron in on uh, on the playoff he hit eight yeah. iron in in regulation, so it was a kind of hole that you know you could kind of just you could hit a low one get it down there, not have a crazy shot in it wasn't like he was playing dead into the wind like it was earlier in the week and uh, you know with the one shot lead, I-, I thought he would go that way and What's crazier, Jordy, is that the day before the 17th hole, uh, Mito Pereira was the only player in the field who laid up on that drivable par four. So he showed that he can be disciplined, almost too disciplined, the day before. And Mm. then when it came time to possibly play it a little safer on Sunday with a major on the line, he does the exact opposite. Um, uh, obviously it's one bad swing. It could happen at any time. That's, that's the right. beauty of golf, but yeah, you would have liked to see him hit a club that a wayward shot wouldn't have reached that Creek.
1: Was that course? Um, I, I, I like seeing these great players. I, I like seeing them sweat a little bit and struggle yeah. rather than just yeah. birdie, birdie, eagle, eagle, birdie, bird. I like to see that was, was this a fair setup? It looked kind of difficult to me.
2: Yeah, no, I think it was fair. I think um, I'm with you. I've always been a U.S. Open fan, This and this certainly looked more like a U.S. Open. Yes, yes. Again, you know, I think a lot of the difficulty, too, came with the wind, which is, is pretty typical there to get those mm-hmm. strong winds and those winds that are kind of swirling and changing directions based on the day. So I think no matter what, um, when you get winds like that, that's definitely the great equalizer with these these incredible players. Uh, when there's no wind and when the, the courses are soft, they can tear up any course. But, you know, there wasn't a ton of rain. They did get the, the storms the one night, uh, but not a ton of rain. And, and you, you turn up the wind, uh, it's, it's going to make them, them play harder. The one thing I, I wasn't a huge fan of was it seemed like all four of the par threes were just playing so long and so tough. God, I they were yeah. Right. And and like with, with yeah. the way the pins were set up I and mean, they had no chance of hitting it close on some of those. Right. So I would have liked to see maybe a little more variety with the part threes. Um, but certainly even with the part fives, we didn't think that that many guys would be able to get to some of these part the, the two part fives and two. We did see them have cracks at the green and and 17 was really cool that the PGA set it up as a drivable par four for both Saturday and Sunday created mm-hmm. plenty of drama down the stretch both of those rounds
1: all these golfers must want to go to uh to Gulf Shores or to Destin because they sure found the beach an awful lot uh <laughs> yeah. in this tournament no, My that's, God, those no, that's tr- a
2: great that's a great point too Jordy those bunkers you know we're used to seeing these guys just hidden in bunkers and not even you know have a sweat over it I mean they just they control the spin so well out there they love being yeah. in the bunker more than the rough certainly and even the fairway but these bunkers um, had a different surface to them, a little more pebbly, um, hmm. where these little pebbles could kind of get in between the face and the ball, and you could see that almost caused like a flyer, like you see out of the rough. Yes, so it made yes. the bunkers a lot more unpredictable, uh, which I think you know probably frustrated some of the players, but also uh, you know made it interesting. I mean, the bunkers should be. A hazard, yeah. right? I mean, it sh- you right. should have to struggle a little out of the bunkers. Right. So I thought that was, I thought that was cool as well, and that, and that certainly added to the difficulty of the course, also.
1: Well, they should be really good at it by now because they, they were in that, in those bunkers yeah. a lot, <laughs> a lot. Exactly.
2: Alex exactly.
1: Myers, Golf Digest, with us. Okay, I feel like I'm talking football now. Uh, college football has its own overtime rules. NFL has its overtime rules, and now, are you a fan of the pga with the three-hole playoff or do you like the sudden death aspect i love
2: the pga format um it was the first to uh, well actually i shouldn't say that the, the british open does a four hole aggregate so the, the Open okay. as with many things it's the first it's the, obviously the oldest championship so they have the four hole though i think four holes might even be too much but the three holes is really a nice uh, sweet spot there uh, I think the U.S. Open just changed to a two-hole. We haven't seen that yet, but they, they've gone oh, away okay. from a full day, which is kind of ridiculous. And then the Masters yeah. still got its traditional sudden death, which, again, I mean, the, the drama, you can't beat the drama of a sudden death playoff, but I kind of like the three-hole. Uh, it gives you a chance to play a variety of holes. Sometimes the one-hole they go to might favor a certain player, but with three holes, you got to say it kind of evens out. Okay, And, um, you know, they played... a a par 5, they played a drivable par 4, and they played a beast of a par 4 to finish. Although, again, it wasn't playing as tough yesterday. So, it was a nice mix. It didn't really favor anybody. Um, And we saw great golf. I mean, Justin Thomas played flawlessly. Uh, Will outdoors played great in the playoff as well. and He shot one under, but uh, JT birdied those first two holes and then, you know, was able to hit two great shots in 18, as you mentioned, and just was able to kind of coax that Final birdie putt up there. He wasn't trying to make it; just wanted to give himself a, a little tap in. Uh, so no, I, I love the three hole format. It had been so long since we had seen any playoff in a major. Game. I know so it was just it was kind of which is kind of weird. Nineteen majors they said since the last one. So kind of nice just to get get that extra little drama. And um, again, I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm I always love it when you know two guys step rise to the occasion in a playoff and both play well.
1: I'm with you. Um, it wasn't the most. Um, how can I put this? The leaderboard. Yeah. I, I mean, Zalatoris yeah. is, that, I mean, uh, is good. You. Pereira, Young, <laughs> Fitzpatrick, Kirk. Uh, Answer. I mean, it, it humbled the, the so-called best players in the world. It it did, and I think a lot of that has to do
2: with what we were talking about a little earlier about how just a, a unique or at least different challenge the guys were faced with this week than the typical PGA tour setup. Uh, But no, I think that's totally fair. I think, you know, there were a lot of grumbling throughout the weekend of, (laughs) Of well, what's going on with the big guns? So many of them missed the cut. And then, you know, you had Rory and JT really back up on Saturday. It looked like they shot themselves out of the tournament. Then of course, Rory goes nuts on the front nine on Sunday, which we all expected and, right. and, you know, when he sees that the final winning score was five under, he was four under through five holes on Sunday. He could have won this thing easily. Yep. He'd put yep. together any sort of a back nine. So yep. you did end up having a couple of marquee names in there. And certainly Will Zalatoris is a name that we're all getting used to seeing, especially right. in the biggest events. Um, and, and and Cam Young was another one of my picks, Jordy. So I wasn't too uh, surprised right. to see him either. So, um You know, in a way, it was a a nice board. Um, I think they flashed up, too, that Mito Pereira, uh, coming into this week, had the most consecutive rounds of par or better on tour. I mean, that's something that I had no clue either. But, again, Hmm. it showed he was playing well coming in. So, again, not the the sexiest of names up there, but certainly good players who were playing well. And then, again, you you end up getting – one of the biggest names in golf winning the right. whole thing. So yeah. I'm sure the PGA is happy with how, how it turned out.
1: Uh, we spent about 12 minutes. I've yet to mention Tiger woods, but where where mm. do we go from here? It was obvious He you know, he made the cut. That's great. And then Saturday comes up and shoots 79. He's limping all over the play. I feel yeah. for the guy. I really, really do. Uh, man, what's your takeaway? Where do we go from here?
2: Yeah, it was tough watching that on Saturday, Jordy. And, and, you know, Obviously, there's always going to be people out there who say he's playing it up or this or that. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's and crazy. it's not just when he hits a bad shot either, and I hate hearing that yeah. as well. I mean, there's video of him before his round on Saturday uh, trying to get into a bunker, and his leg buckles out from under him, and you could see him just, he was limping already, but then he goes yeah. to just an even bigger limp. So going into that round, that was going to be tough. But the temperature's also dropped, which does not help him. He was actually one of the guys who loved that heat and humidity the first couple of days. So yeah, it was tough to watch him play. And now he is in a tough spot because, you know, he had 39 days before this major. He only has 25 before the U S open. So two weeks less, um, there's not really much to build off here. Yes. He made another cut, which again is miraculous in his own right, but a second straight weekend where he really backed up and this weekend, he wasn't even able to finish. So with that quick turnaround for the U S open, it's going to be tough to see if he's going to play. And, and honestly, Jordy, we know how much he wants to play in the British Open at right. St. Andrews, the flatter walk, the great history he has there with the two wins. So, you know, I'm hoping. does he want to do anything to jeopardize playing in that one? That's certainly going to play a role in what he decides to do before the U.S. Open also.
1: And one more uh, name to mention, he didn't play uh, Phil Mickelson, obviously, but now his name's being brought up again because Justin Thomas won the championship Sunday with Jim Bones McKay on the bag. McKay, of course, worked for Mickelson for decades until their 2017 breakup. But what I did not know is in that time, McKay never got to keep the 18th flags from Phil's victories, which is a tradition for caddies. So, Phil, Phil not only got the trophy, got the check, but he got the flag, too. Yeah, he finally gets the flag, although, yeah, that's a
2: nugget from um, Alan Shipnuck's Phil Mickelson biography uh, that Phil, you know, Phil, it actually was kind of a nice thing. He would send the flag um, when he won to his grandfather, uh, who was a caddy at Pebble Beach, and then he would still send it to his house even after his grandfather passed away, but uh, finally he sent those those uh, flags to Dustin Thomas. I am mean, sorry to, to uh to Bones. Uh, to Bones but okay. he wrote his signature in a huge fashion on these flags, almost <laughs> kind of in an obnoxious way, like, okay, here are your flags. Um at oh. least that's how it comes across in Shipduck's biography. And so kind of a weird thing because we always thought of those guys as such great friends and certainly they were uh inseparable for, for a quarter century and, and all the yep. great victories they had together. But kind of comes out that they really did end on a negative note uh, or with a sour taste in 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 bones mouth at least and so um it is pretty ironic that the week so much talk about phil not being there as a defending champ that bones does get it and and yes he does he got his hands on that flag right away so uh good for him obviously he uh it looked like he was done with caddying at a nice gig with NBC. And then, right. you know, he comes comes out of the booth or out of the TV circuit to to get on a hot young player's bag and can't argue with the move that he's made uh, given the success Justin Thomas has had.
1: That's awesome. Alex, thank you so much, man. We'll, uh, we'll hook up before uh, they play across the pond, but you're always so generous of your time, and I can't thank you enough.
5: You
2: got
1: it, Jordy. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. We'll do it again soon. Take care. You got it, my friend. Thank you so much. I will take a quick time out here. We'll put the uh, finishing touches to our number one, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, One zero four one Lake Charles. Today is a day that you join the game. Clubhouse, not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. You can only score that $50 gift certificate to the Half-Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free and it's simple, so go sign up today if you missed anything from our first hour today go check out the links on facebook and twitter after the show and you can check it all out so we talked lsu baseball with chris reed we talked pga golf with alex myers coming up hour number two karoski melvin of klfy sports we'll talk all things raging Cajuns. we'll delve into the nba playoffs after that then blake Rafino will stop by Sabin fisher The beginning of the end of nick saban i think it is and i'll have my explanations for that as well we're presented each and every monday by eon of lafayette eon is um it's new it's innovative it's cutting edge it's the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss inspired by a woman and her team of robotics engineers they looked around. They saw a plethora of devices that just weren't working to do what they say they were going to do. And they were pulling and pinching and sucking and freezing, and strapping the patient. They knew they could build something better and something smarter, and they did. Eon, E O N, is smarter body contouring. Hour number two, straight ahead. The Jordy Helford Show. After this timeout, top of the hour sports update. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Live and local. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby. We're going to be Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this gun kind about of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. Hour number
1: two of two, and away we go on this Monday, May 23rd, the year 2022. We got to wait about four more days before Top Gun comes out, the second Top Gun, the the, the sequel of Top Gun. After all these years and all these delays because of COVID, it's finally coming out. I'll let the masses go early, and then I'll slip in down the road a little bit when it calms down a little bit. Um, this is the time of year when, collegiately, it's postseason play. LSU begins their SEC tournament on Wednesday evening against the winner of Auburn and Kentucky. As a number four seed, they av- uh, avoided that tuesday single elimination round and the raging cajuns will begin sunbelt conference championship play wednesday in montgomery alabama uh, a four o'clock purported first pitch against south alabama all things raging cajuns from our good friend uh, mondays with melvin karaski melvin of klfy sports kind enough to join us yet again what's up karaski how you doing my friend I'm doing good. Are you having fun yet? Always. Can't you tell? <laughs> I mean the enthusiasm. It's all and look, um I was really a little worried about the Cajuns when they lost the opening game to Little Rock on Thursday to Zip, but then they left no doubt Friday and Saturday, ten to four on Friday, nine to three on Saturday. Um tell me all about it, man. Give me the give me the four one one on this two two-game series win over Little Rock?
4: Oh, definitely. It was
1: great. great. Uh-oh. In a bad cell zone, my friend. Oh, I am so sorry. Se- That's okay. Hello. Here we go. I, look, I knew that Little Rock had a great picture, and he threw the game of his life on Thursday, but after that... um Heck, on Saturday they fall behind two. On the second game, they fall behind two to one out of the gate, and then they they erupt for seven runs in the eighth inning to to sign, seal, and deliver it.
4: And which which was excellent. Um, and the fact that they were able to close like that that gives them great momentum going into the tournament. One of the things yep. Coach Deggs mentioned is like. We need to continue to stack these wins on top of each other. And as they go into the tournament, one of the teams are going to see Texas State and trying to get getting and I think getting a win off of them definitely will be a plus for them, you know, and giving eyes for the committee going into tournament selection time. So they have that opportunity with the postseason coming up to get to get more eyes looking upon this team and seeing you know why they should be. Selected for the tournament,
1: they got to win a bunch of games in this tournament. Don't they? Do they have to win the tournament to, to get into the NCAA tournament, or would just getting to the championship game be enough? I would say going all the way would be would be their
4: best bet. Yeah. You know, and especially yeah. you know they have done they have done pretty well towards the end, but there have been some losses in there. So the best way to remove all doubt, go and win the tournament and be the yeah. essentially the conference representative
1: there. Yeah. If they do that, they, I think that's their only chance. Unfortunately, I may be totally wrong here. Uh, but I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they've got enough body work, but they've got to make some hay, uh, inside this, this tournament for sure, uh, to even be considered for this thing. So that's just the way it is when you play in the sunbelt. It's no offense to that. That's just the way it is. No, great. Yeah. All right. Uh, Oh, softball. That was a heartbreaker, but um closed out their season. Clemson got the best of them, 8 to zip uh to win the Clemson Regional and only took 5 innings, but at least uh the Lady Cajuns fought their way to that final game.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. Of course, game 1 saw them losing to Auburn by a run, and Saturday, the fact that they played if I'm if I remember correctly, 18 combined innings, which included an extra inning affair to beat UNC Wilmington and then coming back to play the team that beat you in game one, Auburn. And the bats really came out there and there was great. That was a great two game showing. On yeah. Sunday, the, co- um, the coach had mentioned like Millie Thompson, just excellent. And like they tipped their cap to her. For Clemson, they showed why they were a host. Throughout that yeah. entire, throughout that run in the regions, they allowed not one run, so definitely they should. They definitely made prove their case on why they were the hosts for the Cajuns. They went in there. I mean, coming off that loss, pulling those two wins, and they just ran into a buzzsaw with Clemson. You know, the coaches asked about like if the eighteen innings and everything like that was a factor, and I believe he had mentioned like doesn't believe it. It was that factor, but. It's just like well, the preparations and everything like that, and that hot pitcher. It just it was just too much.
1: Yeah, Millie Thompson only allowed one hit, uh, no runs, obviously, and uh, they come up with a seven spot in the fourth inning, and the game was called after five. Uh, it's just the way it's the way it goes. But still, when you when you look at it, uh, forty seven and thirteen overall. Um, nothing to sneeze about in any way, shape or form. And they, of course, won the Sunbelt conference tournament. Um, and so not a bad season at all in, in my book for, for softball yet again, I know, I know the goal is always to get to, to, uh, Oklahoma city, but, um, 47 and 13 overall 23 and four in league play. Uh, that's pretty darn good.
4: Absolutely. There is, there is optimism, and there is hope going into next season. When Coach Glasgow was being interviewed about this and about looking into the future, he said, like, I feel, I, feel, I feel elated. Like, there is some good potential that's coming in there. One of the quotes he had mentioned, which was interesting, he said he had talked with his coaches about saying, you see how Clemson is? This could be us next year. Uh, something like that. So uh-huh. hope springs eternal for this team. And, like, like they that. were a they were a strong team and although they court they didn't get to you know Oklahoma City in the college and the college world series they have showed promise and there is promise in the future so definitely going into the next season it'll be something worth watching and definitely it should be a fun season going to, going into it
1: now uh, you look forward to baseball in the tournament um and then you start to focus your eyes ahead and you start thinking about September 3rd when the Lions from southeastern and Hammond travel to Lafayette to take on the Cajuns in that season opener, and you look at the schedule, and I, you know it, it kind of tells me a little bit about the program. You only have one money game, and that's not till the second to last game of the season. And when you travel to Tallahassee to take on Florida State, so you get the majority of your games in prior to that. So you'll kind of know who you are, what you're all about. You know, Eastern Michigan comes to town for Week Two, and then it's back-to-back road games at Rice in Houston, at Louisiana Monroe. Um, You got to go to Marshall this year. You got to go to Hattiesburg and take on Southern Miss. So, still a pretty darn good schedule when you think of all things considered.
4: Yeah, and it's and it's definitely interesting that Florida State essentially is the second-to-last game of the season. However, with with like. Towards the end, I think that might be a good strategic move because as the games start to get near the end of the season, people start paying closer attention, start putting their eyes a lot more. And so you go to Florida State, you get that win, that's going to be pretty fresh in the minds of the committee and everything like that. Plus, if you're coming in with wins on top of wins on top of wins, with adding that, I think that will provide an even bigger amplifier for Louisiana's case going forward into the postseason so this is a good this is definitely a good opportunity and certainly they come away out of Tallahassee with a w that's going to be great
1: what's a realistic what's a realistic win total this year Uh, given the fact that you're going to have a new starting quarterback you you got a new uh first year head coach big shoes to fill high expectations as always What, what would the Cajun fans be satisfied with what would be a good season in your opinion
4: (laughs) i i'm almost sure that everyone would want a perf would want every every game to be a win um realistically no and and i would say probably you know i'm looking i'm looking through i'm looking through the schedule i feel like they can get get through and perhaps maybe three four loss three three four losses I think that would okay. definitely be good. Again, I, we talked about this before. There's going to be some gro- there's going to probably be some growing pains. It's yes. a different system, it's a di- different head coach and as you mentioned before, different quarterback. So, the transition may not be as like shiny silky smooth going into it. There's going to be some adjustments that's going to be made. The thing is yeah. When those adjustments will be made, and will the Cajuns catch stride, especially swallowing into Tallahassee for that big non-conference game? And that's the thing: will the Cajuns, you know, Cajuns get all of that kind of all those adjustments out early, and then go hit their stride going forward? And to finish the regular.
1: I'm with you, Harosky Melvin, KLFY. Shout out to two schools in the state of Louisiana that won five state championships this year. Catholic of Baton Rouge, who won in football, boys' soccer, baseball, boys' outdoor track, and boys' tennis. And right there from Acadiana, St. Thomas Moore won five state championships as well in volleyball, girls' soccer, boys' soccer, boys' golf, and boys' tennis. So two schools with five state championships. Shout out to both Catholic of Baton Rouge and St. Thomas Moore right there in uh, Acadiana and in Lafayette. That's awesome. All right, Karoski Melvin, you got to go do some sports, man, on TV. So thank you for your time, as always. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, good luck to the Cajuns in the Sunbelt Tournament. Indeed. Enjoy Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I, absolutely. But not on the first day. I'm not going to get involved at all. Maybe if I was your age, I'd do that. But I'm going to wait a little bit, all right? I'm going to wait a little bit. and I'll be there, I it, promise I, you all right Karosky. thank you my friend i greatly appreciate it uh the game 1037 lafayette and 104 lake charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising vip experience you can score a pair of vip passes plus a chance to meet the cold war kids simply register in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising, featuring the Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Rage Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Talk a little NBA when we return The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, with Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We really are.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 23rd, 1981. Puerto Rican boxer Wilfred Benitez, at the age of 22, becomes the youngest three-division world champion in history by knocking out WBC World Super Welterweight Champion Maurice Hope in 12 rounds in Las Vegas. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And we are back. Do you want to go see the Astros play? Live and in person? Yeah, listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC. Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NBA playoffs resume this evening. I've got two things. I don't, I'm not telling anybody to gamble or to bet because I don't, and you can do what you want, so I'm not, I'm not proposing that you do this, but I've got two best bets for you, two best bets. One, Golden State's going to advance to the NBA Finals. Just book it, so book it, and I'm here to tell you that bet the ranch on the Celtics winning game four tonight in Boston against the Miami Heat. Just bet the house on it, bet the house. I'm just telling you. I don't know. I don't look at the numbers. I don't look at the spread. I don't know what what it is, but Boston's going to win the game, and Golden State's getting to the finals. They might not get it in four games. It may take them five. I don't know, but they're going to get there three zip that is a commanding commanding lead that uh, has never been usurped or surpassed in NBA playoff history um it is it is absurd how um you know teams just can't bounce back from that now cleveland bounced back from a 3-1 deficit to beat golden state but you know it wasn't 3-0 and then 3-1 it was 2-1 then 3-1 and they got it. Um, Dallas went down 0-2 in the semifinals against Phoenix, and then they responded. They had four of their five starters scoring double figures to game uh, a game three win. In this game three, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney Smith, Maxi Kleber, they were nothing. Nothing. Um, Bullock went scoreless 0 for 10 from the field in 39 minutes. Finney Smith had nine. Kleber, zero points on 0 for 5. So, uh, Luka Doncic got some help from his backcourt with Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie, who combined for 46 points, but they got no other help. And Golden State, just just too good. Too many, too many weapons. Too many. Um Golden State has now won a road game in 26 straight playoff series. That's kind of remarkable. 26 straight series they've won on the road. That is a that is a veteran team, who now has added some much-needed youth. Who they never gave up on Andrew Wiggins. Never get. Did you see the dunk over Luca, one of the all-time playoff greats, and it's dunk of the year material. It was better than any of the dunks that you saw during the dunk contest at All-Star Weekend. I mean, and Luca tried to sell it and they called a charge, but he never even touched Luca. And thank goodness for replay, they took that away. Um, And Wiggins was sensational. A playoff career high of 27 points to go along with 11 boards, three assists, shot 55% from the field. They never gave up on him and um so golden state just has too many weapons doncic is getting his points but wiggins is making it difficult for the superstar um and he's having to work for everything is doncic so wiggins has really been good um he's shifted being the second best player on this team to be the ideal role player golden state needs him to be when curry and klay thompson are there and you know curry's out there and, and and the defense is so focused on him and yet he's so stinking good he's the best shooter ever best shooter ever and um he's just they're they're a joy to watch the the way they they move their bodies the way they move the ball the fact that they're unselfish they get everybody touches they get everybody involved um and yet uh you know, game four coming up Tuesday night in Dallas. Maybe Dallas has one left in them, but this thing's not gonna last much longer. Uh, because the Warriors with with Steph and with Clay and with Draymond and with Looney, um, some rest would be really, really advantageous. They could have some time off because I fully expect the other series to go seven games I do I, I and so that would give Golden State a whole lot of time um, to rest recover and and get ready um, I was wrong teams that have gone up 3-0 have gone 146 and 0 in their playoff series over the course of NBA history so um, it, it, it look never ever 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 say never but it would, it's almost impossible to imagine Golden State becoming the first team to blow such a lead. It, it really would. Um, so they would have plenty of time to rest, and that's good because uh, in the other series, j- between the Celtics and the Heat, it's like a heavyweight fight. Back and forth they go. Jimmy Butler only able to play the first half of game three with, with knee soreness, Jason Tatum. Suffered a nerve impingement in his shoulder. Briefly went to the locker room in game three. Marcus Smart missed game one with a foot sprain. Then played through what looked like a really bad ankle injury. He's questionable for game four. Kyle Lowry missed the first two games of the series with a with a hamstring injury. He comes back in. He, he really helps the heat. He settles them down, and he pushes the ball, pushes the ball, and gives the ball up and takes some of that load off of um, Jimmy Butler. Uh, Robert Williams of Boston missed Game Three with knee soreness. Al Horford missed Game One, and now you got Tyler Hero who's going to be out. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of injuries on that side. The Warriors, on the other hand, um, they're pretty healthy, other than Andre Iguodala and Gary Payton II. Um, they're out for at least another week. Otto Porter Jr. left Game Three with a foot injury. But for the most part, they've been able to stay healthy. Um, And that's not easy when your core players, Curry, Thompson, Green, are all over 32, and they got a lot of playoff mileage on them. So hopefully they'll stay intact. The first game of the NBA Finals will be on June the 2nd. So if the Warriors complete the sweep tomorrow, they'll have eight full days of rest. Meanwhile, if the Eastern Conference Finals goes to seven games, the winning team will only have three days off before the start of the finals. So uh, that's that's an awful lot with all the injuries that are there. So let's wait and see. But bet the house that the Boston Celtics are going to win tonight uh, and bet the ranch that the Golden State Warriors are going to win the series. I don't know if it's going to be four games. I don't know if it's going to be five games. Um, all I know is the Mavs, they're going to get fined again because their bench keeps on keeping on with their, quote, banks decorum and nobody seems to want to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Even Michigan's Jawan Howard said, nah, not interested. I, I I want to stay in Ann Arbor. I don't want to go out where the weather is warm and the palm trees are swaying in the breeze. I want to stay in Ann Arbor where it snows and it's cold and it's nasty. Yeah, I want to do that. So now apparently the Lakers have narrowed their search to three candidates Milwaukee Buck assistant Darvin Ham, Golden State Warrior used to coach the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Golden State Warrior assistant Kenny Atkinson, and former Portland Trailblazer coach Terry Stotts, who was fired. Um, so apparently, Darvin Ham is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, but man, for such a fr- what does that tell you about the Los Angeles Lakers and that franchise? They got a long way to go. They got a long way to go and they set their their hands are tied. Can can Russell Westbrook turn things around that quickly? Can can Anthony Davis ever stay healthy? LeBron James is getting injured more and more and more. And how much control does the coach really have? There's a reason why all these coaches are saying, nah, "No, I'm interested. I don't want to do that. Uh, not going to happen." So, we'll see. Um so Again, game four tonight in Boston, Uh, bet the ranch on the Celtics to win and even that series at uh, two games apiece. Uh, Speaking of live, the Red Hot Houston Astros begin a three-game series with the Cleveland Guardians tonight, and you can listen to all the action right here on the game. First picture set for 7, 10 p.m., that is Guardians at Astros Baseball Live from Minute Maid Park tonight right here on the game. I still can't get used to saying the Washington Commanders, the Cleveland Guardians. It's just if it's not written there for me to read, I'd screw it up. I promise you I would do it. I would screw it up. Anyway, we'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Um, Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast will join me and we'll talk about a litany of things, including the beginning of the end to Nick Saban. I'll explain. After this timeout, the Jordy Holberg Show on the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. The
4: the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it.
0: Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, welcome back to Jordy Helper Show brought to you by Eon. Smarter body contouring. The first robotic touchless laser body contouring device. For non-invasive permanent fat loss uh, in River Ranch in Lafayette, soon to be off of Corporate Boulevard in Baton Rouge, get rid of that stuff that you can't get rid of once and for all. That midsection, all those areas, you can get it done with Eon Smarter Body Contouring. He is the uh, hostess, hostess, hostess with the mostess, whatever. The host of the Are You Serious podcast. It's Monday. It's raining. Uh, Blake Rafino, kind enough to join us. Big guy, how are you? Doing good,
5: Jordy. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm really really good. Um I haven't asked you so I want your uh, as we we like to talk a lot about college football here. Tell me your your thoughts on the Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher uh, saga and and what 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 do you you explain it to me?
5: Um well, and you know, Jordy in a nutshell, um what Saban said isn't wrong. Right, but it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate, uh, you know, pot meat, kettle kettle meat, pot. Because are we really sitting here saying Nick's not doing it either? Right, right? like are we? Uh, I mean, so I, I you know, Jordy, in, in this in that profession, there's an unwritten rule of things that you don't say and you don't cross. And quite <laughs> honestly, Nick crossed it, and yeah. I, I'm I'm yet to see, Jordy where A&M crossed the line. You know, it's all cool and, and, and fun to say that they're doing it, but you also have to prove what they're right. doing it and if they're breaking the rules. Because if they're not breaking the rules and they're not breaking state law, you know, then what? Yeah. And, and the biggest argument that Saban had was, well, I read it in the newspaper. Well, Jordy, with all due respect, who reads the newspaper? <laughs> I mean, or, or you know from a guy from a guy that rips the media for rat poison and falsehoods? Thank you for admitting that you read the tabloids and you read the headlines. Thank you.
1: Very well said. Because- here's my thought. Here's my thought on it. Um, you know, Mike Shishovsky retired. Uh, you know, he's coached a long time. Jay Wright. People kind of scratched their head. The basketball coach at Villanova. I think this NIL stuff is – I think Nick Saban sees the end. I really do. I think the signs are everywhere. Look, he's the greatest coach in college football history, and from the time that he was at LSU to now at Alabama, he's lived under one mantra, and he says it again and again and again, and that is control what you can control. Nothing else matters. Control what you can control. And now he's lost control of the most critical component to winning national championships and that's recruiting. He doesn't get them all anymore. He's losing them left and right and I don't think he likes to play by these rules anymore.
5: I I agree with you. And or, you know, or he's warning all of us. You know, he's sending a he's sending a warning shot to everybody in reference to, okay, y'all want to play this game, we'll play the game, but don't say I didn't warn you.
1: Ooh, there's, a, um, there's an awful lot of Texas oil money, man. I don't know how you compete <laughs> with that. Uh, although some of the Texas oils going to UT and, and it, but I'm kind of curious. It, we haven't heard much about the um, LSU and this. Um, you know what do they call the collective? I mean, in other words, we're here mm-hmm. to collect the money, and you know how much money is in the collective, and you can distribute however you want to do it. Um, how is LSU shaping up? in as far as the the collective race is concerned
5: well jordy considering considering what kids and recruits are being paid through nil now i think lsu's fine i don't think uh, jordy the i think the biggest thing is is that multiple people believe that kids are getting paid you know millions and millions of dollars meaning just one player that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. the case I think LSU has taken a unique approach on how they're doing it, and I, I'm not going to because you I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I don't know because we haven't seen how this plays out, you know. Uh, so I, they have been fine. Let me, I, I, and I don't want to label this kid. I'm just using a perspective. Do you think Harold Perkins flips from A and M if LSU's not in the NIL game? Right. Okay, I mean, the kid committed, the kid went on national TV, put the hat on, he, he did all of it, said that he wasn't going to sign, and then all of a sudden he said, I didn't talk with Brian Kelly, and then poof, within a day later, what happened? He decommits, and all of a sudden, now he's at LSU. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's a falsehood to believe that LSU didn't use NIL when right. you have all of the kids from the transfer portal with, with a very lucrative NIL deal I think, that they've been, I think that they've done fine. Do, did, was there a little bit of a weight on how Brian Kelly wanted to structure things? Yes. But to say mm-hmm. that LSU's behind in money when the 2021 fiscal year came out and LSU was number two in donations to the athletic department with $47.5 million, and Alabama was number one, Jordy, I, I'm, it's hard for me to believe that LSU and its fan base won't get, put their money where their mouth is so i think at the current moment they're okay is there some things they need to iron out sure but i think as state legislatures continue to change they will continue to change and it'll be easier for them moving forward
1: lsu's had these coaching caravans and and brian kelly spoke and and, and everybody came away with the impression that lsu's two remaining spots in this recruiting class would not be filled we got the news that the new ncaa legislation that removes the the 25 initial counter limitation Mm -hmm. for the next two classes so maybe it's not imperative to sign two but now they can go sign as many as they want is that is that what that means they can sign
5: as many as they want until they get to 85 scholarship limit jordy if you go down to for As an example, if you go down the list of national championship winners, whether it be Clemson, whether it be Ohio State, whether it be LSU, Jordy, what if I told you that LSU in 2019 had the most scholarship players on their roster than any national championship team in the last 10 years? Would you believe that or no? Because if you, if you don't believe it, they actually were the number one team with the most scholarship players on roster with 83. See, Saban, Saban has the biggest – um, Saban does it, but Saban doesn't do it with active, current scholarship guys. Let me explain. They've used nice. kids on the blue shirt, gray shirt, purple shirt, looking like a big, fat bowl of fruity pebbles, but he doesn't have that many guys that can actually go out there and dress. So for that reason alone, you have, with the transfer portal the way it is, when you have LSU losing 10 guys, you have Alabama losing 9, you have Georgia who just won a national title, they're losing 11. Jordy, you've got to be able to go out there and refill your roster. And right. here's another thing. The biggest thing that nobody's talking about for this is it completely helps high school, high school athletes. Because kids, and Deion Sanders said it best, why would I risk my job if a kid's on a transfer portal that I can go and get and I know they can play and win me football games versus a high school kid that I would have to recruit, develop, and then hope he makes something of himself? That's what you've seen Nick Saban do with his receiving core. That's what you've seen Brian Kelly do with his DB room. So I think it helps coaches. You know, Jordy, if you sign 25 guys and 14 guys leave, then what? I mean, it's a big disparity, to programs and universities and coaches. There is going to be some cons to this. Kids will be processed. But, you know, I, I, I think it's going to do more better than good in the long run in my opinion
1: i got you and back back to sabin again uh, look he's got to compete <clears throat> against um kirby smart and look he he's gonna fall from within because you know his assistants kirby smart jimbo fisher um steve sarkeesian the texas um they, they're gonna i mean they learn from the best and they're gonna do what they need to do so you know the they lost to Texas A&M last season. Then they lose to Georgia in the national championship game. So the Bulldogs and Aggies are threats to Saban's dynasty, much less, look, Brian Kelly at LSU. Kelly landed top five classes at Notre Dame with all those academic requirements that other power five schools don't have. Give him a little bit of time. What do you think Kelly's going to do here? My goodness. Well, and I –
5: I think you're spot on, Jordy, and, and here's the thing. You know, a lot of people call Texas a Texas and Texas 8-4. Well, yeah. newsflash, they have seven, what should be eight defensive linemen that are five stars or used to be five stars. Jordy, they're loaded on defense. Loaded. Okay? Linebackers, five stars. Their, their, their backups are five stars on the D-line. When you start winning battles in the trenches, you start winning football games. OK, and so I agree with you. I mean, Saban, where Saban would have gotten a kid like McKinley Jackson, the kids going to Texas A&M, when you normally get a kid like him, uh, Harold Perkins, the kid was going to A&M, LSU flipping. Joy, those are two guys that they were, they were going after hard until the end. Yeah. And so I, I, bottom line is is Saban, the, the, the root of all of this is is, you're right, he's upset because he sees his dynasty possibly coming to an end. Whether he, whether anybody believes that or not, he does see the writing on the wall. And look, we can trash a And M all we want to, and I understand it. But Jordan, when you get that good of recruits and that good of a recruiting class, it's only a matter of time before you break through to ten or eleven wins. Hell, it's only yeah. a matter of time before you get into the playoff. You know how I know that? Ask Kirby Smart in Georgia because they were doing the same exact thing when they broke through. Again,
0: Oklahoma.
1: yeah.
5: It's I'm a with four-team
1: you. race in the SEC right now, and A and so, think is in it. Look, um, USC's doing some things. Uh, Texas is, is signing some really good recruiting classes. Missouri had a top fifteen recruiting class. Kentucky had a top twenty. So, so really, NIL isn't further separating the elite from the rest of college football. It seems to me it's bringing more teams closer to competing for it all, and that's another thing that. Saban can't handle. It's kind of like the NFL now. It's going to be more parity. Um, you can't stockpile and get every player you want. Some of those players are going to go somewhere. You know, go to go to another team, and you know, you pick night. This is the best player you get. So, I mean, th- the signs are there.
5: Right, and I mean, Jordy. I think you know you're right in re- in reference to parity, because look, you saw the best of all time and Tom Brady not being able to get to it. We saw the Milwaukee Bucks, and they can't repeat. That's what – and, and taking a step back, Jordy, that's what made guys like LeBron and Tom Brady so great. It's because they do make it look so easy. But yeah. when there is parity in any sport, more teams that you don't believe that should be in there or, or will be in there will be. You know, we had a debate the other night about Mississippi State. Jordy, quite honestly, Mississippi State might t- return – the best DB room in the country, and probably the best DB in the country, and nobody knows his name. Nobody knows his name in Emmanuel Forbes. But he has okay. more, he has better statistics than Derek Stingley did in 2019. More pick sixes, more pass breakups, more uh, interceptions and tackles for loss. But this is going to bring more parity into the SEC. And I don't know if you saw the news today, George, that Pete Thamel reported on that the SEC is looking on doing their own co- own national ch- title through the, I think that's foolish. But y- y- you know the fate yeah. of college football to me, I- I'm really worried about it holistically.
1: Yeah, just just imagine if this uh, these collectives and this NIL were were around five years ago. Uh, and, you, know, do you think Bryce Young leaves the state of California to go to Alabama? Not hey, a in chance. a way. Not a chance. Right. Yeah,
5: so I mean, I mean, but Jordan, I don't think Bryce Young leaves, but I think Saban's got to, I don't want to say settle, but he's got to settle with the other, the second quarterback maybe on his list that he's not accustomed to doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that that Nick can't do it. Um, They may (laughs) load up a war chest, but doesn't this seem to kind of slow down the. Man, I got to get to the NFL. I got to get to the NFL. Look, I'm getting paid. I, I can learn how to play this game. I can I can maybe get a degree. I can do some things, and maybe you'll see some teams with some some veterans that maybe don't leave as early. Maybe. I don't know.
5: Well, Julia, I can only speak for myself. As a former very poor college student going into the working world, better decisions can be made and are made, When the, when the stress of finances aren't weighing over you. Yes. Right. I mean, we've, we've all been there. Okay. And when finances aren't a, I don't want to say a problem, but when you do have money in your pocket, you can say, well, you know what? I'm a third round pick. Why don't I come back and work to be a first round pick? It's not about the money at that point. Right. Because I'm with you. You know, I mean, if you're making $75,000 a semester, $150,000 a year, you're able to take that risk versus when you're only getting a thousand dollars a month to a siphon. It's a huge difference.
1: Very well put. You're absolutely correct. Blake Ruffino, the are you serious podcast? Uh Just a basketball note. I, I don't know if these, how good these kids are. Um, I don't know what, how they're going to mesh together to make a team and have the chemistry that you need to be successful. But the job Matt McMahon has done to get to even just get a team and they he's got some, Five star recruits, four star recruits. He got some big some nice transfers to come in. It's kind of remarkable. I don't know what he's selling, but man, I'm buying.
5: Jordy, let me ask you this question. Do you think he's selling that LSU's not gonna have a postseason ban? No.
1: Because I don't think do you, he's selling that because do how that does he know success. that? I think he's selling. I think he's selling, look, come come compete. Come play. We'll play in the best conference. You'll be on television. We've developed players. I, I got John Morant to the NBA. I, NBA. I can get you to the NBA. That's all he can sell in playing time.
5: I tell you what, it's it's awfully impressive. I mean, <laughs> Jordy, you had three weeks ago. We didn't have or four weeks ago. We didn't have any players on Scott. Didn't have a
1: team. <laughs> yes. didn't have
5: a team. Literally. <laughs> I, Literally. I mean, hats off to him. I don't know what he's selling, but Jordy, if aliens came down to planet Earth. And said, "One guy's got to sell you to get you on scholarship to LSU right now." I mean, huh. I don't know if I don't pick Matt McMahon. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's done a heck of a job. You got to give it to him. And look I'm at the coaching caravan. I, I was listening to him, Jordan. He don't pull no punches. Nope. he's like, "Look, I'm here to win. I'm here to win national titles. Everything else, I don't want to. I don't want to be bothered with it." And <laughs> it just seems like he's all ball, and I, yep. I, I love that.
1: Yeah, we got one coach on the hot seat. Old uh, Beth Tarina Beth. better win some games next year or she's going to be gone.
5: Jordy, you think she's got another
1: year? Mm, you think, you think she survives question. this year? Um, I, I don't know. Good question. I think – I don't know. I don't know. I don't she know. might not.
5: <laughs> Jordy, I don't know either. It's <laughs> – <laughs> we talked about that last night, and look, here's just my conclusion that we came to on the show. Um, the days of me considering what Scott Woodward's going to do is yeah. long gone. So yeah. he, either, Jordy he's going to make the cut or he's not. But if he does, you know he's already had this in the bag. Well, in but look she 2018, they had uh, I think she could 2018, 45 wins,
1: 2019, 43 wins. Twenty twenty, well, canceled. They were they were off to a great start, twenty one and three. Twenty 35 wins this year, thirty-four wins. It's a it's a downward slope. It's a yep. downward slope. Yep. So whew, he's replaced every other coach at LSU, it seems like. So hmm. Well I don't know. It's a great question. I I thought she'd be on the hot seat this year, but now knowing who who's there and how he acts, she might not. Might not. If
5: she if she does survive though, if you're right, if she does survive, she better get she better get to forty wins in the super regional because if not, yes. she's in deep trouble.
1: I'm with you, Blake Rafino, The Are You Serious podcast that was fun as always. Um, have a great yes, week, sir. man. I always look forward to talking to you.
5: You too, sir. We'll talk next
1: week. Uh, take care, uh, Blake Rafino. We'll take a final timeout here. We'll come back. We'll wrap this all up. Monday's brought to you by Eon, the smarter body contouring device. It's the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for, listen carefully, non-invasive. It's not going to hurt. Nobody's going to pull, pinch, poke, probe you, anything like that non-invasive permanent gone forever permanent fat loss look it up eon e-o-n of lafayette it's really good it works the results are there you can see the befores and the afters it really does work you exercise like crazy you eat right can't get rid of those love handles can't do it well guess what eon can do it and can do it permanently Back to wrap it up, the Jordy Heltbrook Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, finishing touches to this uh, Monday, May 23rd edition. Special thanks to Chris Reed recapping LSU sweep of uh, Vanderbilt, Alex Myers recapping Justin Thomas's PGA championship, Karaski Melvin, uh, all things on the Cajuns. They get ready for their uh, Sunbelt Conference Tournament on Wednesday at 4 o'clock against South Alabama. And then Blake Ruffino and I talked about a bunch of stuff. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share it with, um, and he was great in the Super Bowl, wasn't he? Aaron Donald is just 31 years old, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, a very special birthday to the legend Skip Bertman, who turns 84 years young today. Continued good health to you, Skip. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening. And thanks to our partners that make it happen each and every day. We truly are blessed and couldn't do it without you. Come on back tomorrow. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll talk about the Saints. We'll recap the NBA games and so much more. So until then, I am Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friend. COVID's coming around. Stay healthy. Um, Be kind to one another. Let's all be happy. Have a great day.